You're listening to the Ending Your Binge Eating Podcast, the place where women leaders, founders, and CEOs come to break free from binge eating so they can have more peace, energy, and make a bigger impact while enjoying the foods they love. Welcome back to the podcast. We're talking today about five common pitfalls or traps that keep women from breaking free from emotional eating. And of course, I'm going to, you know, talk about how we can actually avoid them as well. But, you know, if you are like most who have really, you know, struggled with your weight and have kind of yo-yoed back and forth between, you know, having results, seeing progress, but then falling back into old patterns. We're going to talk about these five traps that are keeping you trapped in that cycle. And so let's just go ahead and dive into it, shall we? So the first one is going to be a very foundational one that many of you will have heard me say a lot of times already (laughs) by now, if you've been listening for a while, but the first one is just so elemental, you know, and it is, it's when I say foundational, if you don't put this in place, if you don't um, avoid this particular pitfall, you're literally setting yourself up for failure. You know, I can't say it any better than that, but it's keeping yourself stuck in hunger survival mode. Now, when I say hunger survival mode, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about what people call quote unquote starvation mode. That's a misnomer. It is often you know, obviously for, for, for those who, you know, which I always use this disclaimer. I am not, um, an expert in anorexia or bulimia. You know, yes, people who have, who fall under that umbrella have been attracted to me. And yes, they have, you know, seen results with me, but it is not on the, um, the spectrum of, People who, you know, are in need of severe hospitalization or anything like that. Um, I am very clear that, you know, that's just not my expertise. You know, I really work with people who are suffering from binge eating, who have 50 to 100 pounds to lose. And that being said, when you have 50 to 100 pounds to lose, and I'm saying this with with a lot of love, knowing that in the world right now, there are a lot of people who are very committed to this narrative about, you know, again, being body positive. And I've been speaking up a little bit more about, about my, my own um, stance on this, on this matter, because I feel that it is really important that we understand um, the implications of this broad generalized message that you can be healthy at any size. Okay. So I'm going off on a slight tangent to make a point here that if you are actually, you know, a hundred pounds or more overweight, can you really truly be starving? Can you claim to be in any type of starvation mode? And the answer is probably obviously and logically no. Right. <laughs> but it's one of these like buzzwords that people use to talk about, you know, not like eating enough when you are just trying to support yourself on a day to day basis because in the name of quote unquote um, dieting. Right. 
So there's nuance here. If you are on a path of weight loss and you struggle with binge eating, chances are you have a belief somewhere that in order to lose weight, you need to actually eat far less than you've been eating. But, you know, I mean, the simple way of refuting that is to look at the patterns of your life. You know, when you eat very, very little, do you tend to binge more or do you tend to binge less? And how much does that overcompensation cost you? You know, especially if you're doing it repeatedly. And so is it really worth it to, you know, try to lose weight that way? And I get it because, you know, you're probably thinking, okay, well, I could lose it faster if I, you know, if I cut drastically down to 1200 calories. But again, I ask you, you know, you might lose weight fast for a bit, but then you already know the impact of that rebound is often more costly than that short-term win. So are you in it for the long or are you in it for the short-term? That's the question. And so not eating enough is causing you to go into this, what I call hunger survival mode. All right. And what that is, is when you are constantly triggering your fight or flight response in your brain. Okay. When you're in that hunger survival mode, it is a powerful, powerful trigger to binge. Okay. And as we go through this list, I'm actually going to talk about other triggers. One of my points is about triggers, but you know, this is about your biology. All right. If you're trying to fight a biological um, survival mechanism all the time and it's unnecessary, like, why would you do that? <laughs> you know, why would you do that? Um, it's just pointless at the end of the day. So, and you can set yourself up for success. So again, you know, what is causing you to, you know, pursue a shortcut that really actually ends up being a long cut. So we've talked about that um, a couple of times over the, in fact, I think two episodes ago, maybe even one episode ago, I dive a little bit more deeper into that. So if you want to go and check that out, please do. But we're going to go and move to number two, which is the second pitfall that I see so many women uh, making or falling into is, you know, trying to figure it out in your head on your own. Now, it's really funny that we do this. And I used to do it too, you know, it's just, it's so funny, but we it's because we don't really get how our brains are set up, you know? But a simple way to think about this is if you, if you couldn't figure it out on your own for the last 10, 20, 30 years, I used to do the same thing myself. So I get it. But if you could figure it out on your own, then you probably would have done so by now, right? Because, you know, if it's been 10, 20, 30 years and you still haven't figured it out on your own, then it's time to reassess. And you may or not realize this, but it's, it, first of all, it's not your fault, you know? And this is something that we've been seduced by in this culture, which is this idea of like the lone, you know, um, what am I trying to say? I was going to say the lone wolf that, but I don't know that that really applies, but it's this idea that, you know, 
the people that emerge um, successfully from, you know, from their struggles or the people that just build themselves up or, you know, the people who achieve in life, that they are somehow just so strong as an individual that they just do it. Um, they figure the things out on their own. And it's just not true. You know, um, I didn't do what I've done on my own. I had support. And the thing is, there's no shame in that. You know, it's actually far stronger to be vulnerable enough to put yourself out there and ask for support. You know, it's so funny that there's so much stigma still around asking for help or or just even the idea of needing help. It's really it's just so strange to me, you know, um, and maybe that's just because I am on this journey and I do receive help. You know, I I constantly have coaches constantly. I constantly have someone in my life supporting me that I can I have as a sounding board, someone who is not who who doesn't think like me, who can call out my blind spots and who can tell me, hey, I get where you're coming from and I've been there and I'm out of it. And from my side of things, here's how I see it because then I want to be able to see it because they here's the thing, they're where I want to be, right? And if they're seeing something differently than I'm seeing it that is going to help me, then I want to try to see things from their perspective, you know? And a lot of times I'm just going to follow their advice because they have the thing that I want, (laughs) you know? And even if it just feels completely counterintuitive to me and, you know, that's why it can be so, um, it can feel like you're going in circles when you're trying to get out of a problem because the thing is that you have a strategy that's running in your brain That is a learned strategy. It's a habitual strategy. It is what got you where you are. Okay. So if the way that you think is how you got here, then of course it would stand to reason that you can't just somehow magically start thinking a new way. Like there has to be a pattern interrupt. There has to be a new way of thinking introduced, a new perspective introduced from somewhere. And chances are it's going to come through, you know, someone outside of you, whether that be from a book or a coach or, you know, just someone who has walked the path that you've walked, who had the struggle that you had, but who did break through, you know? And the likelihood is that they got support, you know? So, you know, it's a real myth that people just somehow figure things out on their own. Every major breakthrough that I've had in my life has come from someone stopping me from thinking the way that I think so that they could support me in adopting a new perspective that breaks me out of my old thinking patterns that were keeping me stuck. So hopefully that makes sense. So let's go on to number three. Now, number three is a very subtle one. It's very insidious. And this is what I'm calling the curse of knowledge. Most of the women that I work with, you know, are extremely smart, accomplished, achieved a lot, are, you know, in a place in life where, 
you know, they have a lot of comforts in life. They get to travel. They get to see the world. They've created this, you know, um, nice salary for themselves or, you know, they're founders of successful businesses and yet they have felt like that same ability to achieve and all of their intellect has actually worked against them when it comes to trying to solve the problem of their eating issues and their weight. And this is what I call the curse of a lot of knowledge is where you you know so much about food and it actually causes you to really beat yourself up because you ask yourself, how am I so smart and know so much about this and I've done so much research and yet I can't stop myself from emotionally eating. And this is where I was, okay? I knew <laughs> so much about food and nutrition. I mean, I could sit down with almost anyone and just rattle off facts about nutrition, about different protocols, about food, about the food industry. You know, I mean, I just had so much knowledge about it, yet I could not stop my behaviors of binge and emotional eating. I couldn't, I couldn't stop eating when I wanted to, you know? And so maybe you can relate to that. And what I discovered is that, you know, it's not a matter of having a lot of knowledge. It's a matter of being able to consistently behave in a way that aligns with your goals and values, period. You know, if you can't consistently make empowering food choices for yourself, who cares how much food knowledge you have, you know? Uh, Because at the end of the day, it's not even the complex knowledge that keeps people healthy and lean. It's really basic stuff, you know, like just eat tons of vegetables and eat real food. I mean, it's really that simple when it comes down to it. But we make it so complicated. And really, underneath that constantly researching and constantly overcomplicating things is really a, that's really an avoidance strategy. It's really a way to keep ourselves from facing the discomfort that comes with actually putting down the food. Because, you know, picking up the food and not stopping, that is something that on some level feels more comfortable in this moment for you if you are, you know, still struggling to stop binge and emotional eating. And that's okay. All right. I want to make that clear that, you know, if that's still where you are, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, In fact, shame is one of the main ingredients in staying in the behavior. All right. So... That's a bonus one. It's really not on my list today, but, you know, the sooner that you can move to compassion, which is, you know, in again, other episodes as well, the sooner you can really start moving forward because there, you know, there is nothing to be ashamed of. This is not about you. It is just a habit. So number four is falling into um, unrealistic expectations, you know, wanting things to feel or look a specific way. You might have an idea in your mind about what living binge free is supposed to look like or feel like. And that's actually stopping you. It's actually keeping you thinking that you failed if you haven't been perfect. All right. Um, for example, let's say that you have made enormous strides 
Uh, maybe you've gone from binging every night to binging three nights. You know, that's progress. And yet, if you've had three binges, you're saying that you're failing. Well, how do you know you're failing? How do you know you're not succeeding? How do you know you're not getting better and better and moving toward that binge free life that you're imagining or that you're wanting? But as soon as we start saying, oh, well, I've been so, you know, I failed, then we start re- recreating that old way again, you know? So it's really about forming this habit of looking for those tiny wins for ourselves. Because the more that we do that, the more that those wins happen. And it's really that simple. But I I spoke a lot about that in the previous episode. So I'm going to move on to number five here, which is tracking triggers incorrectly. All right. Now I say tracking triggers incorrectly, but what I really mean (laughs) is really tracking triggers at all. Because You know, as my students learn through the trigger immunity framework, which is my um, framework that I take my students through, it's not about tracking your triggers or avoiding triggers. It's really about becoming a person who can be in any environment. Because see, triggers are all about the environment. Triggers are about the external world around you. You know, it is the... The fast food shop that you drive past, it is the commercial that comes on TV that reminds you about some, you know, a food item that you hadn't even been thinking about. It is, it also is your internal environment. It is, you know, feeling lonely. It is feeling stressed or pressure, but triggers are with you constantly. Triggers are with you every single day. They're you know, as I mentioned, they're they're even inside of you. And really, at the end of the day, every single trigger can be seen as being inside of you. Because even if the trigger is on the outside, it is the reaction within you that causes you to feel the trigger. The trigger isn't something that is imposed upon you from the outside. It's something that you feel, something that you experience, even if it's outside of you. So it's really not about the triggers, is it? It's really about your experience of the trigger, which is exactly why the food trigger immunity framework helps you to become a person who can be in any environment at all and still make empowered food choices. This is about developing your internal fortitude so that Healthy eating choices are just a natural extension of who you are. Because here's what I know, okay? In the research that I've been doing, I've been doing a lot of extra research for um, upcoming releases of my program. By the way, get on the waitlist at rashondayates.com slash waitlist because we are going to be relaunching that again pretty soon here. But the triggers are only going to exponentially increase from here on out. It has never been easier and more frictionless to access food than it has now, than it is now in history with, you know, the food apps and not even having to leave your house to get food. The thing 
about behavior is the easier a behavior is to do, the less friction there is to do it, the more addictive the behavior is, the more easy it is to get into the habit of that behavior. And, you know, the food industry is a very lucrative industry. They're not looking to make foods less addictive. And you already know this, you know? So it is, it has never been more important than now for us to learn to develop our internal and environment and fortify our internal environment so that we are strong. And no matter what is happening outside of us, because, you know, what's happening outside of us is out of our control. And when we give our power to the external environment, we're giving our life to that environment. Think about that for a moment. Because the way that we live our day is the way that we live our life. And if every single day we're being hijacked by these triggers, then what kind of life are we living? And so when you have the internal strength and fortitude and character that aligns with what you want, then you cannot be dissuaded by anything outside of you, period. And that's power. So that's what I'm going to leave you with today. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Um, and I will catch you on another episode of the Ending Your Binge Eating Podcast. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have gained any value from this episode or from the podcast in general, then I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes. It is such a big help. It helps me to reach more people. And if you did gain any insights, I would love to hear your takeaways and how you're implementing these tools. Over on Instagram, you can follow me at Rashonda Yates and send me a DM and let me know what you are using, what you're taking away from the episode, what your ahas are, things that you're seeing differently. I love having conversations with you over there. And until next time, I'll catch you on an episode on, an, on another episode. Bye.